I used to be loved. I used to be a kid detective. We're all really counting on you. I was so far ahead of the game. But one day I just woke up behind. This guy in my homeroom claims he's practiced with the Mets. I need to find out if he's lying. He's lying. So what can I help you with? Somebody murdered my boyfriend. Seriously? Pretty seriously. He was stabbed 17 times. Is it possible he was involved in drugs? No, he would never do drugs. Gambling? No, he would never gamble. Demon worship? No, he would never worship a demon. Here comes the kid detective. <laughs> Someone's following us. This isn't safe. They're trying to see how my head works. Somebody's testing me. So, Parth, what have you been eating? Nice to see you, by the way. It's nice to see you too, Trent. Uh, I had scrambled eggs and a banana. The listeners are maybe shocked to know that uh, I'm no longer at my home in Bridgewater, New Jersey. I have made the move out to New Brunswick because college is a starting. As of recording, we're actually recording on the first day of actual school. And so I have to make my own food. Take that into mind when you hear about all Parth's bananas. He made them by hand. Yeah. We didn't buy them from uh, Costco. They were hand-grown. More importantly, last thing I ate was two ibuprofen following the class. um, Because boy, oh boy, did I have a splitting headache. And then I took a nap, which resulted in me, which resulted in curing of the headache, but also resulted in me being late for the pod, which resulted in Parth being upset with me. Can you confirm that? That sequence of events? It's not been that difficult to cook, uh, but it helps that my roommates like to cook as well. So it takes a lot of the weight off my shoulders. It you know takes, what I'm saying? takes a village, that's what I say. Mm-hmm. Or two people, you know? Uh-huh. So um, remember how we have a movie podcast? Let's talk about that again. Wait, we do? Oh. Uh, well, if you had a movie podcast, we'd probably have like a yes. little like intro jingle, right? To get us into the show, into the introduction, yeah, to introduce okay. the show with introduction so I guess, music. Like, so should I just be like, all right, and uh, cue the intro? Like, is you that should, what I should say? You should be like that. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. Last week, we talked with not just a crew member, not just a cast member, but the member, mm. the director, and writer, the writer-director of our film for today. Evan Morgan. Yes, Evan Morgan, writer-director of our film for today, The Kid Detective. Tell me, Trent. Was he a nice man? Boy, oh boy, was this a swell interview. Did I really enjoy myself? I think it was one of our best to date. Do you agree? Yeah. It's kind of a monstrous one hour, 20 minute behemoth of an interview. I mean, episode. Evan Morgan being the right director really um, was involved in the making of the film. And personally, at times, I think he manhandled that bad boy and really directed the shit out of it and also wrote the shit out of it. I would agree. Because, boy, did I, did I chuckle from time to time 
when watching this movie. You can check out that interview. Um, please do. Um, it's, you know, it's hour 20 minutes long. It's very informative. If you're a fan of the movie, you, you get, we go into the eight year process of getting it made. We go into trials and tribulations of editing, of acting, all the stuff about making a movie. It's very, very informative. And I was just going to say that interview takes the place of this week's production history and fun facts, I believe. Largely because this is a newer, lower budget movie, so there isn't that much research to support it. But also, we answered a lot of these questions last week. Yeah, so uh, if you want to, we're still going to do our minor little rundown, our little list of things to do. But uh, if you want to know about the production history, again, we go into that in our previous episode. And it is very in-depth, I think. I mean, probably most in-depth we've ever gone with a guest on the making of a movie. Deep. Deep and large. All right. You got me there. So, Trent, uh, what is that? Uh, you... No, no. The innuendo. It, it was as if you were speaking of a phallic imagery, like a penis. As if you were using adjectives to describe a... Trent, that's disgusting. Okay. Can you please... Can we keep this clean? Are we going to do our ten words thing? Oh, would you like to? Hey, do you want to? Do you want to accept the challenge? Sure, I'll 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 uh, I'll accept this mission. Um, okay. Oh fuck. Okay. Uh, minor minor thing. The minor side note. As of recording today, Top Gun Maverick, my most anticipated movie of 2021, got pushed to 2022. Hence, why Parth is so bummed. We we, and, we were just talking t- off it, mic. He's very bummed. It took the place of Mission Impossible Seven, which has now also been pushed back to September of 2022. So. Anyways. Wait, and Parth, uh, so what's your most anticipated movie of 2021, fam? 2021 or 2022? 2021. Oh, it's the Adams Family 2, isn't it? No, it's Hotel Transylvania. Trent, Trent, come on. You can't release those kinds of trade secrets on air. Come on. All right. Uh, Yeah, I'll accept the mission of the 10-word synopsis. Um, Adam Brody was Kid Detective now must solve as adult eh, it's not great i i mean it um it's a, it's a good place to start well the real synopsis is a once celebrated kid detective now 32 continues to solve the same trivial mysteries between hangovers and bouts of self-pity till a naive client brings him his first adult case to find out who brutally murdered her boyfriend I think okay. that that's way more than 10 words, but uh, it does a better job of explaining what the plot is. So for the budget here, um, there's a question mark. And is that because we don't know how much it is? Yeah, I couldn't find the actual number and I didn't feel like bothering Evan Morgan any further. He was already and... so nice to share his time yeah. and those set photos with us. If you want to refer to our little social media page. Yeah, go to our Instagram. Follow us there. Come on, guys. It's it's the modern times. It's it's you know, Facebook owns us all. Just give in. Um so yeah, there is no uh budget, but I see you've put between five to ten million, and I, I would I would agree with that. I believe I that's he, inappropriate. He alluded something to that price range and also um just to what little we know about movies, that sounds about right. I mean, I would be Surprised if this movie were made for less than five million, and surprised if it were made for more than ten million. So that's my educated guess. Yeah. And the box office, and granted, 
this was this was released in theaters, but this was also released in theaters in 2020. So it was it released to a box office of three hundred and sixty seven thousand eight hundred and ninety dollars. So not great. But Evan Morgan mentioned that it was a big uh, on demand. VOD. Yeah, a uh, thing in Canada, especially yeah. Dur- during the thick of the pandemic when there were so few original releases happening. Which makes sense, given it's a Canadian production, and he is a Canadian director. Yes. Um, and what, and guys, I hate to be this guy, but the reputation, it holds true. He was really nice. So, hate to be the bearer of bad news. he offered us, like, a lot of maple syrup. It was, oh, it was interesting. Yeah. And then he talked about hockey, and then... Um, all right, Parth, this this whole racial thing, just because the Canadians are our neighbors of the North doesn't mean you can go after them politically. You're right. This is a racial thing. Um, all right, Trent, it's time. Do you think since we, we're, we're going to skip right past the production history and fun facts, just go to our interview from yesterday? There's also no fun facts listed on IMDb. So except, if you want those ex- fun facts. Except that it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. Well, how fun is that fact, Trent? I guess that's more of a fact. <clears throat> yeah, good point. So now we're going to move on to the one-star review portion. Yeah, Trent, you want to give us that first one? Sure. This one's by Dave R. Uh, it's labeled kind of stupid, kind of sick. It says, terrible story. It fits as entertainment for the minds that like things like murder, comma, child rape, comma, etc. Not a movie a normal person would find value in. Um, thank you, Dave R. He's uh, a normal person. Compared yes. to um, the sick child rapist murderers like us. We're a little sick and a little stupid at the same time, according to Dave Arthur. Does, Car- does Carice A have anything to say on the topic? Yeah, I, was, I was just about to ask you. I guess it would be pronounced Carice, right? It's K-A-R-I-S-E. All right. Carice A, August 17th, 2021. She wrote, or he, I'm going to assume she. Films should entertain and offer a respite from the harsh realities of the real world. This film was neither a comedy, neither entertaining. It mirrored and was a loud echo of the misery which presently exists surrounding pedophilia, child abduction, and drugs. If you need a reminder of how deceitful, horrible, and cruel the world is, then watch this film. Not one single character was happy. Parth, did you know um, a movie's not good if the characters aren't having fun because then as an audience member how are you supposed to have fun yeah i'm kind of noticing a trend and there was a trend in when we were trying to find these one star reviews that people just seem to not like movies that deal with unhappy subjects and this isn't even like a super like it it gets to some dark places but this isn't like a you know seven or something Mm -hmm. i'm surprised that people are so up in arms about this movie i think People might be renting the film labeled The Kid Detective. And I was guilty of this when we were first viewing it. I was like, this is going to be something of a children's movie, just given the name. And then it isn't that, and it's rated R, and there's pedophilia and stuff, which you know, I'm down for. But you, but they don't check the rating? Yeah, maybe. Um, is they're not sick and twisted individuals like us. Yeah, kind of stupid, kind of sick. Um, well, would say. well, the last person we have to talk about is Jason Jordan, whose parents really thought that one through. And uh, he said, not what I thought. And it says, terrible. Starts off slow, and it just stays that way. It's just gloomy, depressing, sad show. Kid was a hotshot detective when he was a kid. 
but then he loses his mojo when his kid's secretary disappeared and he's just a wreck of a person now but he's grown up not sure why people like watching stuff like this just a train wreck of a show kept waiting for it to get better but it never did so the thing about this jason jordan is that it's a film um it's a two-hour move it's a movie not compared to a show which is shorter yeah and there are like several of them um my favorite sentence is kid was a hotshot detective when he was a kid because you can just say the kid was a hotshot detective I think it, it is, I'm assuming that this person is using Kid as the name of Adam Brody's character. <laughs> See, I, I thought that too, because the first Kid is capitalized. Yeah. Well, to be fair, it is. It's the after, beginning of the sentence, yeah. But I, the way he's using it as Kid was a hotshot detective when he was a kid makes me think that Jason Jordan, uh, really, he just thinks that um, that's his name. But now that you mentioned Seven, I think what some of the people here are upset about is the dealing of mature subject matter in a sort of satirical way because they think that that's like disrespecting the plights of those affected by child sex rings and i think i mean compared to seven which is like showing horrible things that happen but in a negative light this is showing horrible things that happen but like trying to laugh at it but it's still you know spread spreading awareness all the same and not laughing at it but laughing near it that's what i was gonna say is that once i mean we i mean i guess we're about to get into our what's working you know talking about the actual movie but what i mean i I appreciate that the movie is able to talk about certain um darker more upsetting you know topics and maintain a level of satirical or dark comedy without you know, the target of the joke is never the victims of these horrible, you know, acts. I even think most most of the movie isn't even about. No, it's not. Most most of the movie is just the him going along, going along his little detective. It's him solving story. a murder. And what movie doesn't have murder in it nowadays? Yeah. And so the only controversial part, I suppose, according to the comment section is pretty much in the last 15 minutes or so. Yeah, which is a weird thing to be basing your entire review of a movie. I mean, it recontextualizes the whole movie for sure, but it's not like that's what the whole movie is. I had a big case last week. Really? What was it? You know I'm not supposed to talk about that stuff. This gay guy wanted me to find out whether another guy was gay. Was he? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, that's nice. Um, this is happening a lot faster than usual, but uh, do you want to tell me what worked for you? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess I can get into why I even chose to want to talk about this movie. Let's talk about that. How did Evan Morgan even come our way? So, I'm a big fan of the YouTube channel Red Letter Media, and they did a small little video where they talked about the movie, The Kid Detective, and they were basically saying that it was better... They're of the opinion that most things on streaming are better than most things in theaters these days, which I don't, you know, that that's a discussion to be had. Most but, films that are direct to streaming? Well, you, they're not most films on streaming are better, but that you can find more interesting stuff on streaming. And so this is one of the movies that they were talking about, and it intrigued me, and I like Adam Brody, and I had just started The O.C. with my mom. I, 
have now I have since finished that show and enjoyed it. But uh, so I'm I'm a big fan of all these elements. I used to I love a good mystery, um, a neo noir even. Sure. And I found Evan Morgan's Instagram and decided, hey, let's see if we could make this happen. Something I will say, a fun fact about um, our guest last week, Evan Morgan, is if anyone is familiar with um, the program Goosebumps. adaptation of the classic film of the classic book series evan morgan is a star of one of the episodes and it's on netflix yes. and it, the title is don't wake mummy um i believe it's in season three and evan morgan is the star of the episode and he's a child actor and i watched part of it the other day and um he's a grown man now and he directs fucking movies and but at this time he was afraid of a mummy. I thought you were the mummy. No, I'm the mommy. I saw it move. What move? The mummy. It sat up and looked right at me. It's alive. You just had a bad dream. No, I was wide awake. Listen, Jeff, I'm only going to say this once. No matter what your sister tells you, mummies do not come back to life, okay? Um, I'm not sure how the plot wraps up, but... Now that I've started talking about it, I want to know how the shit goes down with the mummy. So that's probably where my day is going after this. Yeah. So um, I think I really, really liked. I really dug this movie. I thought you know most things in it were working. Um, I think it's got a really good handle on tone, and so I think a lot of the people that gave this movie not great reviews are people that can't grasp. It's a very fine line. Yeah, they're out, they, they're outside the joke. Yes, and it's and I mean Evan Morgan he talked about it in our episode last week, but he kind of likes writing on that fine line, and it's a very specific tone. And if you are into that, you are in it, and if you are not into that, you will never get it. Yeah, and he was I'm like, it. if me and my wife and one of my friends think it's funny, that's pretty much all the approval I need, and it's going to go in the movie. And if some. And if some Bozo audience member doesn't get it, that's on them. Yeah. So I, I, I really, really dug that. I think the, the I really didn't know where it was going to go. It kind of does this thing where it introduces certain subplots that it's not that they don't go anywhere, but they just don't. You think that that's what the movie's going to be about. And then it turns out to just be a subplot and not the plot of the movie. Well, yeah, there are there are dead ends. And something I like so much is that each scene is so cause and effect, as in one is taking you directly to the next. And sometimes it just it's a it doesn't lead anywhere. And then they have to double back and say he has to, like, beat up the bully who gave him false information. And then the and then the investigation picks up from there again. But. And he yeah. said in the interview, oh, the audience member has to have some taste for indulgence because that's where some of the comedy is going to arise from because it's already a tight 90 minute movie. And so I, I'm more than happy to allow some subtle deviation from a streamlined plot, even though I think yeah. that this screenplay is incredibly efficient, especially 
in the way that it references details from the childhood and brings them back to adulthood. I mean, I guess this is going to be, there's no way to talk about this movie without kind of going into spoilers. And we've already kind of mentioned whatever about it. But, um, and if you've come this far, you should watch the movie in full. Um, yes. I'm not exactly sure what the streaming options are at this time, but if you had to pay $4 for it, uh, there are worse ways. It's worth the money. There are worse ways to spend $4, boys and girls. Yes. I, I think that it's a pretty good movie all the way through, and then by the last 20 minutes or so, it becomes a great movie. What about the last 20 minutes? That all the loose ends are tied? Yeah, I think that the way that it resolves everything, I think with a movie that's this type of tone, it either becomes, it either by the end becomes all a joke or becomes too self-serious. And this movie does a great, has a great way of maintaining both and not losing sight of the other. Um, so, like, I think the way that it ends, you know, it ends on this, like, shot of Adam Brody crying, and then the music comes on, and the, the title card comes on, and it's, like, funny, but it's this very weird type of funny, and I think that, you know, it's, again, it's, the, the best thing about this movie is how it straddles the line between funny and sad and real, because you see Adam Brody, and you think, oh my god, this guy's, like, really pathetic, but you, you kind of feel for him, like, Adam Brody is a funny guy, but he plays it, you know, very straight. He isn't, oh, I'm such a funny little dope. Like, he, he's actually... It's a good impression. Yeah, he sounds exactly like that. Um, but you know what I mean? Yes, I like all the stale humor. Yes. Um, just a, a small example is when they're out to eat at the diner. And he's like, they used to serve dinner for breakfast and breakfast for dinner. And the girl says, why? And he goes, because it, cause it's funny. And I feel, I feel like that's a good summation for the movie. I used to be loved. I used to be a kid detective. When I was 13, I solved the case of the missing fundraiser money. It was Rory Beans, the neighborhood knucklehead. In the beginning, I ran my trade out of a treehouse. Somebody stole the basketball magazines from my desk. Can you remember what else was in the cubby? My pencils, erasers, some peanut butter cups, a photo of my bird. But nothing else was taken. It was Clive Cunningham. How do you know? He's the only one allergic to peanuts. Wow. Thanks, Abe. Whenever we watched movies as a family, I would always spot the bad guy. It was the bald man. And guess the ending in the second act. She poisoned his drink. And also, something I like so much, and kind of mentioned earlier, is and that, um, and that Evan Morgan talked about in the interview, is all the child actors, and essentially like the no-names, and then it's the juxtaposition of like the childhood ensemble cast with like mature subject matter because hearing kids talk about like murder and drugs is more interesting and funny than listening to adults talk about murder and drugs yeah the cast is really i think like everybody's so specific and well chosen um everybody has this everybody knows what type of movie they're in and knows what their role in that movie is you want to know who's so uniquely funny? Please. The fat kid with 
like the fat yeah. friend with like the mole over his lip. Like yeah. he he's up to something. Um, yes. <laughs> that, again, it's just it, like good casting that yeah. you don't you don't generally with these smaller budget movies. It's not that the smaller budget movies are it, in any way worse. It's because they're no names, and so you don't expect anything out of these yeah. small side characters that you're only going to see for one scene. And when they're and when they're good and they fit the part, it makes them that much better. Exactly, and and on top of that, I mean, I think that like low budget look that also extends to the cinematography of the movie, which I really like. That this movie has a kind of specific look. I think a lot of times when you get into the, I don't know if you'd call this a micro budget movie, but definitely small budgeted movie, you end up getting movies that look super naturalistic and super, you know, shaky and whatever because that's cheaper and you mm-hmm. can probably do things you can shoot things more quickly but this has a really measured it's on tripods it's you know it's mostly people sitting down and talking there's a lot of color to it and it's it's a really unique looking movie and i think that 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 goes a long way i i think part of that is the world building because everything is in like a certain like color palette like until it's not because it's like we're in this bright... It was like he described, he was making the cartoon detective's neighborhood, but like all grown up and just as cheery and everyone knows the mailman sort of attitude. Yeah. But then when Adam Brody grows out of that, that's what makes it the interesting story. That's what makes the kid detective the adult detective. Yeah. Um, but also, um, in a small 90-minute film like this, to be able to make... Um, a sort of Lynchian universe in a believable way that doesn't feel like you're forcing stylistic choices down the audience's throat is very impressive because this was very subtle. I was going to say it, it feels like the town out of Blue Velvet a little bit. Uh, that was exactly what I, was the only Lynch film I've seen. And so that was my only point of reference. And that was what I was going for. I think a lot of people try to copy Lynch or say like something is Lynchian just because it's a little bit weird. But like you're saying, it doesn't feel shoved down your throat. It feels very much organic and natural to the characters and to the story. And it, it, again, like to speaking on your point of the world building, it's it's great that he gives all these little like, oh, there's this gang and there's the overnighters and there's the there's all these little parts of the world that we get a small glimpse into because they fit in somewhat with the um, story, but we don't get to see it all. We, you know, it is again, <laughs> not to mention this interview too many times, but when we talked with Evan Morgan, he brought up the fact that he wanted to have it basically be if have did you ever read the encyclopedia brown books no but he kept mentioning that like that was a major inspiration but i, I i'm aware there, of of the the fiction of childhood detectives yeah so like it really does feel true to that throughout the entire thing and it, it feels like okay well what if the characters in here grew up yeah it what feels like, like he mean? mentioned he mentioned hardy boys and that's what it feels like to me yeah, it's like kids it, 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 kids running around the middle school with flashlight trying to find a ghost, and now it's a little bit pathetic because they're and, and adults, it, and it's pathetic up until the point where he has a real case to solve. And this yeah, exactly this is big break. It's almost like we're selling the movie. Yeah. Um. Well, we have to. It didn't make that much money, Trent. Oh, um. Hey, you want to say something bad about the movie? That could be cool. Um, I think maybe it maybe, has maybe not bad. Maybe what's not working? I don't think there's anything that's like specifically not working. Uh, oh wait, let me say one more thing about what is working. 
I think the score is really, really good. Mm. I think the music adds adds like a lot of production value. And it's an original score. And yeah, it makes it that is what's doing, I think, the heavy lifting of making it feel like an old detective film. And that's like the uh, uh, the most fun part for me is when they're driving around and that jazzy jazz music is playing in the background. And I'm like, let's solve a fucking crime. I was 12 when someone finally chopped down my treehouse. The town raised enough money to set me up with a real office in the middle of Main Street. The mayor's daughter, Gracie, was my secretary. I used to pay her in soda pop. Hey, Bathbone's office. Oh, hi, Daddy. He's in with Principal Irwin. Want me to take a message? Somebody stole a cash box from the school fundraiser. What was it for? Animal rescue. Rory Beans was bit by a dog last summer. Someone's been sneaking up the clock tower, changing the time. Sounds like the Red Shoe Gang. Don't you ever go on the inside? Not anymore. We kept getting grounded. I was often in one of those situations where you're looking for evidence in a house, and then you hear the owner come home, so you have to hide. And it keeps seeming like they're gonna open the closet, but they don't. And then you sneeze and give yourself away. In terms of what's not working, I think that it maybe in the middle section runs a little bit long, or I don't know if it's long or if it just the pace slows down a little bit more. But I think that first, the opening bits are really engaging immediately. And the ending, as I said, the last 20 minutes, I think, is what sells the movie. It, like, seals the whole deal. And the middle is very fun, but I think m- maybe that middle section of him breaking into that kid's house runs a little long. I think... So- I mean, well, I, I, I enjoy I mean, that's it. Part, that's part of the joke, is that it goes on for so long, and it, it's both the generations of kids playing Pong. Yes. I mean, again, it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, there's nothing necessarily incorrect or like where it's like, well, obviously this is intentional. It's just like, I'm trying to find things. Yeah, not I could, much I could I see how that could with. not work for someone. Um, something I will say that I realized in my rewatches, and this is an official spoiler, as if we haven't given one already. This movie, for better or worse, um, suffers from what I'd like to call the Scooby-Doo syndrome. Which wait, Parth, ask please me what explain. Ask me what that is. All right, please, please Trent. Uh, this Scooby Doo syndrome you speak of. Uh, what is that? Sort of like the Aunt May hotness differential. Um, from our Spider Man episodes. This is a, a movie based science theorem I have come up with, and it's in the Scooby Doo show, like the original one. Um, basically the show it would be like Mystery Incorporated driving around, and then they stumble upon like a creepy beach and there's like a guy there and he's like hey i'm the groundskeeper like this is a haunted beach please leave or a ghost will come and then they don't listen and then they go and they have misadventures and they get chased by a beach ghost and then at the end of the episode they unmask the guy or they unmask the ghost and who is it but the one other character you met from before it was the first guy you met and yeah. in Scooby-Doo, since it's so condensed, it's, like, very obvious. And in this, it's less obvious and is definitely intentional. Uh, but the first person you meet is the killer. So you see, it was over 300 years ago that Redbeard the Pirate 
was the terror of the seven seas. When my ancestors brought him to justice, he vowed to return and avenge himself. And now that he has, I'm afraid there is nothing that can be done to stop him. Oh? I'm not so sure, Mr. Magnus. Ghosts are our specialty. And I have a plan that I think will work. Redbeard sticks to a schedule, he should strike again tonight. Yeah, and we are going to be there first and fool him. I genuinely had no idea which direction this was heading. I thought it could I thought it could be a thing where the murderer was someone we hadn't even met before. Because it wasn't like Scream where they were trying to constantly give you red herrings of it might be this person. It might be this person. It was just like, we don't fucking know, and then suddenly it's this guy. Or this yeah. person. This lady, who knows? I thought that it might happen where we don't get a resolution or something, and yes. you get like a zodiac type ending where it's like, it's basically now he's driven by purely by obsession or something like that. Um, which I guess is how the movie starts out. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess like this isn't like a problem with the movie that it somewhat follows the Scooby Doo differential. But, no, um, no, uh, j- just a, just a fun observation. I I say that only because I am having trouble f- putting things in the cons column. Also, um, both because this feels so close to the heart, and because I find this movie so rewatchable, because it's kind of really easy on the eyes and ears, just in the way that it's kind of chugging along at the same speed and tone the whole time, and you can kind of jump in wherever and get get a get the occasional chuckle and and get out and it, uh, even if you know the mystery it's fun because then the second time around you can see how they elude all the hints all the hints and which there are many which um is nice um we both need to force one negative comma out of us oh i can do it okay well okay. I've, I've said one i said that it runs maybe a little bit long in the middle um mine is that after is I, I like the, the intro to the film of like the girl walking around with the music cue and then the title card and then it cuts away to Adam Brody. And but when it cuts to Adam Brody, it does like the your main character waking up late and now he's brushing his teeth and now he's in the shower. Sort of uh, every character in any work of fiction for the past 100 years beginning of the story sort of thing. Um, I noticed, and I was happy it wasn't the very beginning of the movie, I was happy there was that little prologue, um, especially because it, the prologue makes sense because you're, you're like meant to forget about it and you're supposed to think that he's solving one case and then by solving the present day case, he's also solving the case that made him the kid detective. Mm-hmm. And, um, I kind of think it doesn't work. I mean, it's in the name, but it doesn't work if he... This doesn't work if you're just making a movie about him and his prime. And it doesn't work if you're just saying, this was the kid detective, and now he's washed up. Because you have to see the comparison. And you need the ties between them, because that's the movie to me. I suppose, but I, I think that it does a good job of visually showing you. Like, at the very... Even if he's... You can see that him internally, you can see that strife and that, like... He's very different than who he used to be, and then later on in the movie, it explains to you why and like what happened. 
So, I mean, I, I get it, but I, I don't think it's, I mean, I'm sure you don't think it's that big of an issue either. Part if you want to graduate into the ratings gauntlet. I've been doing an explosion sound effect after any, after we I've heard, after we use the word gauntlet. Gauntlet, 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 gauntlet. The gauntlet. I'll, I'll see. I'll I'll see what this hap- What happens? I gauntlet. Guess. Gauntlet is one of the few words in the Eng- English language that definitely deserves an explosion sound. Well, it's actually it's actually a nuclear bomb siren, but we'll get to that later. Um. Uh. Tell me. Go through the gauntlet. Uh. I would say this is very rewatchable. I would very much recommend this to people as I have. Um. Very good movie. Very well made movie. Good cast. Good direction. Good writing. You know, just all around a solid time. I wish I could have seen this in theaters. I think it would have been fun to see it with people. Um, an 8.5? Is that fair? Out of 10? Yeah. I recommend this movie because I've been recommending it to you for the past 40 minutes. Um, rarely would I recommend you spend $4 on something. Um, and especially because it would be hard to stream this illegally. I think you should pay $4 for it. Uh, and support... Friend of the show, Evan Morgan. Thanks for coming on. You very nice, gracious man. Um, would I rec- uh, would I rewatch this? Yes, because I have been because it's so um pleasant and it's good. You know, it's I I have movies that have become background noise, and at least thematically, I could see this falling into that family that category. Yes, um, which since we've established the rating gauntlet, um, there haven't. I mean, a lot of the movies we've covered, say Interstellar or um, whatever other, some of the heavier stuff that we may have spoken about on this show, rarely do they get the rewatchable guarantee. And I think this has the rewatchable guarantee. Um, And I'm going to give this movie a nine simply because um, it's so original, the premise. And um, I like things that aren't um established ip and i like um low budget movies and this was a really well made low budget movie fair that... although i have one question for you yeah what's that you say you okay you say that you really like movies that aren't based on ip um and yet your favorite movie is solo a star wars story so if you could just explain that for us oh um kind of back me into a corner there. While I do love Solo Star Wars story, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't a part is a part of the extended Star Wars universe, no? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It would be considered a spin-off thrill ride. It's like a prequel spin-off. It's like uh, a joyous romp. Is that mm-hmm. a good way to put it? Yeah, yeah. All right, Parth, let's address the elephant in the room. Are we are are we either gonna bring back the solo joke or are we just gonna cover solo on the show? Ooh. We'll have to see which comes first. I'm afraid we have a lot more Star Wars content that isn't solo coming your way. I don't think we've ever been so um e- even to the films we've given tens to, we usually have a lot more in the negatives column. But yeah. I just think that this movie um d- doesn't ruffle my feathers in a, in a, in any notable way. But yes, let's talk about what's next week. Because next week, we have a special episode. Before a whole special fucking month episode. Yeah. Is that right? So, that is right. So, we'll tell you what's happening next week. 
uh, next week we talk about Her, Spike uh-huh. Jones's 2013 film with its costume designer, Casey Storm. He's done the costume design for all of Spike Jones's movies until 2014 because now he works as a director. And he also worked on David Fincher's Zodiac. Yes. There is a very, very nice Zodiac story in that interview. It was so, also just a really good interview. Like doing these two back to back makes me feel like... Um, God? I was going to say more like a pimp. Hmm. As in a pimp pod. Interesting the pimp that you'd have pod. those two close together. It's like a pimp mentality, but without like pimp without the child prostitute or or without pimping out women. Yeah, Uh, but yeah, so we've got that, and then we'll have our discussion for that out as well. And then after that, we're gonna keep the surprise until that that gets released. But a big storm is coming. A big month long storm is on the horizon. Is all I'll say. Yeah, it's, it's for gonna, the month of October. It's gonna knock just... your fre- it's gonna knock your freaking socks off. Yeah, if you guys can think of any sort of particular mood or genre of film that is often associated with that month, then you with might... like let's say a specific holiday in that month. You know, so so think about notable holidays during the month of October. Let's say in the back half of October, and then you're gonna think of what like sort of like mood that that. Um, sort of explores elicits and, yeah and then if there's a type of film that has to do with that so put all those dots together and then you could save two weeks on figuring out what our special october month is or you can wait two weeks and then we'll tell you after the yeah, her thing and we'll release it on instagram but uh that's it for this week uh thanks for uh, this closes out our current slate trent yeah good for us um we made it september 5th yep um cool let's um we'll we'll see you guys next week see you next week all right her interview guys can't miss it follow us on social media give us a rating give us a five-star review be there or be square